Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Amen. So in your Bibles, if you turn to the book of Galatians chapter 6, we're going to end our series on Galatians today. Um, It has been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. I hope you guys have enjoyed walking through Galatians and all the things that Paul shares with us. This is the last chapter, and if you've ever read Paul's writings or the, the writings in the New Testament, when they get to the end of the book, you ever notice how it's just kind of like really fast statements that come out one right after the other? There's not a lot of explanation about them. And I'm pretty sure it's because he's coming to the end of a scroll. And he realizes, I only have about this much real estate left. And so he's just kind of putting his last thoughts in there. He's closing it out. And then we're going to close out the whole book today. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted too. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load." Let each one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have an opportunity to do good, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, But they desire to have you circumcised that they might boast in your flesh. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And all those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. So Paul, in verse 1, let's go to verse 1, let's talk through this, and let's see if we can get um, an understanding of what he is saying. So he has just made a big, long discussion about the law and about grace for about the first four chapters. Chapter 5, he talks about the flesh and the spirit. He's about rules. What is it about? Because it's not about following rules. It's about following the spirit. And in chapter 6, 
he says something that we need to hear. He says, brothers. So who's the audience? Who's he talking to? He's talking to believers. So he's saying, believers, if any one of us is caught in a transgression, those who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. See, it's interesting that he says that because even though we try to be led by the Spirit and we intend to be led by the Spirit and we, we want to do what God wants us to do, sometimes we don't. And right here he uses that word transgression. That's a word we don't use in our normal language. And, and just so we can clarify, I said this a few weeks ago, transgression is not just sin. Sin can be something, sin is missing the mark. If you look up the word sin in the scripture, in, in the Greek, it, it just means missing the mark. You can sin on accident, you can sin in ignorance, you can sin without even knowing it, and it's still a sin. Transgression is different. Transgression means you know where the line is, you see the line, it's clear before you, and yet you choose to walk across that line anyway. That's a transgression. And he's saying brothers, he's saying believers, he's saying the brothers and sisters in this room, if we get caught in a transgression, which means if one of us in here makes the choice that we see the line, we know what we're not supposed to do, we know what God says no about, and we still step across the line, we are caught. I've heard somebody say this. It's not in the Bible, but I still think it's true. But it's still true. Sin will take you far away and keep you longer than you wanted to stay. I want you to hear that. Transgression is like that. When you cross a line, when you make a mistake on purpose, when you choose to do wrong, you have crossed a line, and sin will always... See, you'll think, oh, I can't cross the line. I'm just going to put my toe on that line. That's not too bad. God is good. He's merciful. It's just a little transgression. But what sin does is sin catches us, and it pulls us across the line. And when you thought you were just going to put your toe over, all of a sudden you're three, four, five, six steps across the line. And the word to us is those who are spiritual, those of us who think we are led by the Spirit and are led by the Spirit, what do we do when our brother crosses the line? Because they will. Look around at the people in this room. Somebody in here is going to transgress. Somebody's going to make a mistake. Somebody is going to do something that they know is wrong and do it anyway. How do you respond? You restore them. You mend them. Notice it's not judgment. You don't just say, all right, you cross the line and you just kind of kick them further across the line. Stay over there. You've made the choice. You've crossed the line. You're not coming back. What it says is restore them. Bring them back to wholeness. Mend them. Set them right. Prepare them. That's what that word restore means. And it says in a spirit of gentleness. Because if you've transgressed, it means you know you did wrong. And when you know to Christ, the, the scripture says, it is the goodness of God among the brothers and sisters in Christ that allows a brother or a sister who has fallen or who has gotten caught 
in a transgression to be restored. But then it says, it says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. See, we can all be tempted. And if you remember that, when you see your brother fall or your sister fall, you know, you know what? By the grace of God, go I. And watch yourself. Be vigilant. Be observant. Don't put yourself in situations where you can be tempted. I think a, a, good, um, a good principle... Again, this isn't in the scripture, so, so we could talk about this. But a good principle on this is if a, if a man has fallen into a transgression, I think it's good for a group of men to come around and help restore that person. If a lady has fallen into transgression, a sister, I think a group of sisters should go and, and restore that person. I, I, think, I think it's very, and I've seen it in church, it's, you've got to be very careful if, you, if you're a male ministering to females. In fact, if there's a lady in here that needs ministry, chances are, if I'm going to do it, my wife is going to be by my side. Why? Because temptation happens. And I would encourage you guys to think about yourself and think about your weaknesses and think about the areas where, where you can be tempted and put safeguards in place. And if I don't go, I might just say, hey, babe, go talk to I call her babe. All right, you don't call her babe, but I do. <laughs> hey, go check in. You got to find things like that. You got to find ways to watch yourself so that you too are not being tempted. If you see somebody has fallen a transgression and they're drunk and maybe you struggle with alcohol, maybe you're not the one to go into the bar and try to get them out because maybe you'll be tempted in that situation where somebody else is not tempted in that way. Verse 2, is, I want you to look at verse 2. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But then look at verse 5, skip down a few. It says, for each one has to bear his own load. Don't those almost sound different? See, it's saying two different things. One is, when you see someone struggling and they have a burden, they have a heaviness, it is our responsibility to go alongside that person and, and to support them in that. When they're depressed, we go and we sit with them and, and we listen to them and we encourage them. We bear one another's burdens. But don't expect people to bear your burdens because we each have a load. And we would do good to remember that, that every single person in this room has a load, has something that is weighing on us, something that we carry, something that makes life a little bit harder than it looks like from the outside. If we could turn our spiritual eyes on and you could look around, you may see someone battling a physical ailment right now, that they're sitting in the chair and it looks like they're listening, but they're dealing with some pain in their body. Maybe somebody else, them and their, their marriage is just about to fall apart and you don't see it on the outside, but when you, if you could see spiritually, you would see they have a load of, of dealing with this relationship that's broken. Maybe somebody else has a child that's like just gone bananas and gone off the rails and they're, they're not doing right and it, and it hurts their heart because they love their kid. 
It could be a young kid or it could be an adult child that they're, they're burdened with and, and it's a load. And so we each have our own load, but yet we're still each called to bear each other's burdens. See, don't, don't, don't get out of your own responsibility. Don't blame things on other people as well. In verse 2, anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. There's no room in Christ's kingdom for pride. Hopefully we don't, we don't do that. But if you think you're something when you're nothing, you're deceiving yourself. Verse 4 says, but let each one test his own work. Do you test your own work? Do you look at how you're serving God and the impact you're making here on this planet in the time you've been given? Have you sat down and reflected and said, hey, is my life making a difference? Am I working for the Lord? Am I, am I doing what God has called me to do the, to the best of my ability? Do you test your own work? See, we would rather sit and test somebody else's work and point out all the things wrong with the way, man, you, you, you ever heard Caleb talk? You ever heard Chris talk? Those guys just, you know, if you could combine them both, maybe you'd get something, but they're just so different and they each have their thing that is wrong about them. We like to, to point fingers at others. And what the scripture's saying is, is test yourself. Look deeply, look deeply at the things that you're doing and see if, if you're doing them for the right reasons and in the right ways. Verse 6, it says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. That is talking about a, a financial and a uh, beyond just a money thing. In, in that area, it might just be a food thing or a or a supply thing, but it's the idea that people who are teaching, people who are labor. Verse 7, he's going to say something, and I hope you leave here. Remember, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. If you sow whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow to your flesh from your flesh, you will reap corruption or decay or death. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. Have you looked at what you're planting? Are you doing those things that help your spirit, that, that are sowing into the spirit? What are those things? Sometimes it's just reading the word inspired by the spirit. Sometimes it's just praying. Sometimes it's just going to church. But all those things that we do to try to help the Spirit of God have control over our lives. Sometimes it's confessing our sins to each other. Sometimes it's asking a friend to pray for us. But when we do those things, we're promised a good harvest of eternal life. But when we sow to the flesh, and hear me guys, because I'm not trying to be hard, but I, I do want you to hear what Paul is saying. God's not mocked. He's a God of grace, and he's a God of mercy. But if you're sowing to your flesh, you're going to reap corruption. So don't do that. Verse 10. It's a very interesting verse. He says, so then, 
as we have opportunity, this is a good principle. When you have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone. I heard somebody a few weeks ago, we talked, Joanne had made these packets, and they were little like Ziploc bags full of socks, and I think like, um, I don't know the word in English, uh, Vienna sausages. I was about to say it in Spanish. Vienna sausages and like different things, tuna, like different stuff that you could hand out to somebody who was homeless and who was struggling. Remember we talked about that? Who remembers that? Well, I heard somebody come in today and they said, hey, I was a vet. Talk to you about that more because I made my own packs and I was handing them out and this guy was a veteran and he had one arm and, and I, I was doing it, but I, but I want to learn more. As you have opportunity do good. See, you're only judged, I'm only judged, you're only judged by the opportunities that we have. When you have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And then look what he says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. See, the goodness should start here, the kindness should start here, the support should start here. So, so maybe look around. Talk to people. Maybe you find out somebody needs their computer fixed, and you're good with computers, and as much as you don't want to, you can say, I could help you out. Why? Because it's an opportunity, and it's a chance to do good, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Paul closes his letter and if you read verse 11, read verse 11 with me. It says, see what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. I try to think that, that the rest of the letter Paul dictated, that he had a scribe, he had someone who was educated, and Paul was talking, and, and the Spirit of God was moving, and that the man was writing down what Paul said. But as they got to the end of the scroll, Paul wanted them to know, like, hey, this is from me. And we think he had some issues with his eyes. And that's why in verse 11 he's saying, see what large letters I'm writing to you. Or maybe he had nerve damage from the beatings and the whippings and the stoning. But he wrote big. And it wasn't because he was uneducated. He's saying, look, the, this is my hand. My hand's touching this paper. And look what he says. He just wants to hit this point. He's been making this point the whole book, but he comes back to it in verse 12. It says, some people want to make a good showing in the flesh and force you to be circumcised. Only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. See, there's some people that they just want us to look good outwardly. If we could just all look good outwardly, and it, and, and, and it takes different forms at different times, but, but, but we care only about the outside, and Paul is saying it's not about the outside. It's about a new creation. It's about the Spirit of God working in your heart and in your life. He makes the point that even those who are circumcised they themselves do not keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they can boast. 
then Paul in his own hand with big letters is writing, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. No, you consider yourself crucified to the world? Do the things of the world bring no pleasure and no joy and there's no longing, there's no taste, there's no craving because that part of you is dead? That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying the Spirit of God changed me on that road to Damascus and I'm a different person. Verse 15, he goes, And neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but only a new creation. It's not about the outward things that we do. Spirit into our lives. Peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. See, there's peace in being made new. There's mercy in Christ for all of us. That's why we can offer and restore a brother who's fallen in a spirit of gentleness. That's why we don't judge them because we know, man, that could have been me except for the mercy of God. And there's a peace in our soul that comes from Jesus. And if, if you don't know that peace, man, I, I challenge you and I, and I beg you to reach out to Christ and allow his peace and mercy to fill your life. Verse 17, he's ending. And this is very Paul. He's, but from now on, let no one cause me trouble. Stop bothering me. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. See, I talked about maybe he's writing big letters because his body was abused. In his service of Jesus, he was beaten by people and he was hit with rods and he was stoned and he was robbed. He went through shipwrecks and spent time in the water, probably just freezing out there in the, in the Mediterranean, just cold. And then when he gets out, if you go back to that story when he was stuck in the water, I mean, imagine being stuck in the water and being cold and then you come up to a fire and you think you're finally going to get warm. Go to the book of Acts. It's in there. And as the fire goes, he goes and grabs some sticks and he gets bit by a snake. Like it wasn't easy. It was a bad snake too because all the villagers, they just were like, oh, he's going to die. And they just watched him to die. It was a very poisonous snake. But when he didn't die, they said, who is this man? Because that snake kills everybody. See, he had the marks of Christ even in his hand where he grabbed those sticks. There was, are there any marks on your body? I'm not talking about marks from your job that was really hard or maybe really dangerous. But is there anything physically that you've spent? I say to Mike sometimes. Mike is one of the most faithful people here and a lot of times we pull into the parking lot at the same time. Not this Mike, that Mike. You're faithful too, Mike, but I'm talking about the other Mike. Sorry. But we walk out of the car on a Sunday morning. A lot of times the first two people here, sometimes Brandy's with them. 
and you can see our bodies are tired. But yet it's, it's the spirit that pushes us forward. Do you have any marks? Have you given up anything physically? I'm not saying you should, but have you ever put your body second to put Christ first? Maybe you should. He ends with a, an incredible blessing. It's the blessing I'd like you guys to end with right now. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Grace, undeserved love, undeserved favor, something we don't deserve. It's not like you have to go out and get marks on your body, but it's the idea of this incredible love that God shows us. And when it captures your life, you'll do anything for him. You'll go to any length to serve him because you know he's good and you're brothers. That idea of brothers means we're all the same on the cross. The same blood that saved Paul is the same that saves us. And Paul's saying, I'm not special. I'm just bearing my load. Bear your load, brothers. Would you close your eyes and would you bow your head just with me for a second? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this book of Galatians, God, that talks about grace and about freedom from the law. We thank you for the book that, that, that we've read these past few weeks that talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit and the change that happens by the grace of Jesus. We thank you, God, that there is a life more real than the life we live here. There is eternal life freely given. Lord God, if anyone in here has been overtaken or caught in a trespass, Lord, I want to see them restored. I want to see them to get back up and get in the game and to get back across the line and to seek Jesus. God, let the grace of Christ be in this room right now. Let every person know how much you love them. The undeserved, immeasurable love of Christ. Let that be with our spirits. Let us just walk in grace. And we thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite my wife to come up over here, and Ken and Deborah, if you all can come on this side. And would you guys stand with me right now? We're going to be closing. We're, we're wrapping. It's up, but if, if anybody has anything that you'd like to pray about, it's the perfect time and place to pray. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>